If you want to turn with me to the book of Luke in chapter number 18. Luke in chapter number 18. We're going to look at a parable, a story here that, I don't know, familiar to some, maybe it's familiar to you. But going to start in verse number 9 and, and going to go through verse number 14. Verse number 9 down to verse number 14. And the Bible says, And he spoke this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves. Think about that. They trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. Think about an individual that trusts in their self and they despise other people. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other is a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. He said, God, I thank you that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithe of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner, my Lord. Man, I feel that in my spirit. Be merciful unto me, a sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalteth himself shall be abased, and he who humbles himself, they shall be exalted. My spirit is strong this morning. My heart has been stirred. If you've been watching any of my devotionals, I have been on the harvest and those that are lost. And this morning, I want to use for a title, a thought, the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee and the publican. It's going to be very difficult, and I would teach otherwise to ministers coming up behind me. I would teach otherwise, but it's going to be difficult for me to stick with this title, but it's going to be easy to stick with it as an example. Take me just a minute to get there, but we're going to be praying this morning that God gives us all a greater burden for lost souls this morning. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray? Father, I love you today, and I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love, my Lord. I'm thankful, God, that you had mercy upon me, Lord, a sinner, God, that was lost and separated and undone without you, Lord. I'm thankful this morning for every family, every individual that is represented here today. And Lord, I ask that you would open our ears that we may properly hear your word, our hearts to understand. And Lord, anoint me, God, to deliver your already anointed word. The task before me is greater than what I am. I'm useless, Lord, without the help and the, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord, and I'll give you all of the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the name of Jesus, we ask, and everybody says, Amen. It's not too often on a Sunday morning that I would recap from the past Sunday. We do it a lot teaching, but as far as recapping the message, it's not something that we normally would do. But in my heart this morning, the foundation of last Sunday, if you were unable to be here last Sunday, well, I would encourage you to go back and look at it. I I, I, don't, I don't know how, I've been now, May would have been 16 years that, that I have been here, been pastoring this church, and 
I uh, was called in the ministry in 2003, began pastoring in 2006. I've been in church all my life. I truly dedicated, committed my life. Uh, when I was about, I don't know, when I was about 20 year old, somewhere in there. And uh, for the last two or three weeks, I have been in somewhat of a struggle. Now, don't throw stones at me, but I've been in somewhat of a struggle in regards to the Lord really examining my heart of how have we really been compassionate to the lost. I mean, we have church, and if they come in, we embrace them, but are we truly compassionate toward those that are lost and undone or those that are broken that we know of out in the world today? And it's been, it's been a challenge to me, and as me and the Lord has been talking about this, yes, it's coming out in my devotionals. It came out Thursday night. It's going to come out again this morning, and uh, I, I just pray this, that I, you know, I know that I, I'm trying, I'm studying around, and I'm just trying to shoot from the hip. I myself can honestly say I have a greater desire for the loss than what I've ever had, and I, know, I hope that it's not as great as what it will be. But I just hope and pray as a church, in the day and the hour that we live in, we have got to be compassionate, moved with compassion toward those that do not know Jesus. Now, there's a statement that Jesus made uh, in Matthew chapter number 9 that I'm going to revisit very briefly. He said a statement that we all know. This was the statement that he made. He said, the harvest is plenteous. But the laborers are few. And I'll be honest with you, all of my life I have preached that and I have heard it preached as we need to get to work with about the harvest and we need to be laborers. And, and, and I'll go as far as to say that's not been wrong. We do need to be at work about the harvest and we need to be laborers. But when we present it in a way that it is a law or a legal work that you need to do, well, our heart and our desire is not in lost souls. We just know that we need to tell people about Jesus. But when we backed up Matthew in chapter number 9 and we begin to look, I know I'm starting off a little slow, when we begin to look at really what, what came out, why, why did that statement even surface? Why did Jesus ever make that, that statement? And it was because he had worked all day long, he had met needs all day long, they were meeting, they were at the doorstep at night, when he woke up in the morning he had to leave way early to go and find himself a place to pray, and then the disciples were coming coming to look for him and saying, everybody is still seeking for you. He could not go anywhere. He couldn't turn to the left, to the right, anywhere at all without somebody needing something from him. And when he got to the point where he just stopped and he took the look, the Bible says, Matthew 9 and 36, he was, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they fainted. They were still there and they were just wandering around. And he said, he was moved with compassion and then he he turned to the disciples and he said, look out at the multitude. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. This came out of him being moved on compassion. Now, I, I, only if only our love uh, for the lost was this great. He saw the multitudes. And i got to recap a little bit. I told you, watch this. He saw the multitudes for who? For their need. That's what he saw. He saw them for their need. He saw somebody that was blind. He saw somebody that was broken. He saw somebody whose marriage was destroyed because of adultery. He saw the leper. He did not see the Galilean. He did not see the Jew. 
Jew. He did not see a Samaritan. He didn't see color. He didn't see rich or poor. He didn't see the barbarian. He saw them for their need. And if we could ever get to the place where we saw people for their need and quit rejecting them for who they are in the natural and be moved with compassion toward the lost, we would be more effective in building the kingdom of God. My Lord. He saw the multitude. The Bible goes on to say this. He said they fainted. Can we bring that up? And I'll just follow along. Matthew 9 and verse number 36. He said he saw that they fainted. That word literally means that they were just existing. I want to tell you this morning, and I don't mean it. You don't know me if you think I mean it unkind. I'll sit down and look at you face to face and, and argue with you and leave you with the truth. But here's the truth of the matter. I do not mean this in the wrong way. But the fact of it is, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, all you are doing is existing. The older you get, you will more realize how true that the Scripture is, that this life is but a vapor. This life is but a vapor. I'm about to turn 42 year old. I look back and it's like I just graduated out of high school. This life is but a vapor. And if you don't know Jesus, all we're doing is existing. You know all you're doing is getting up in the morning and you're going to a job and you're paying bills. Sure, you've got some good times with your family. Sure, you're going to have some enjoyable times with your friends. But all in all, we're just existing. We fainted and we're not investing in our eternal life. Let me tell you something, friend. You want to talk about a good time? Times uh, you want to talk about uh, truly investing in your children, make sure that you teach them God's salvation plan. Uh, God is a family man. He's for your family. And He's made a plan that families can be together, receive eternal life, and live with Him forever and ever. We're just existing. We're paying bills. More going out than what's coming in a lot of times. Amen. I didn't get very many amens. I'm going to assume some of you guys are rich. We're just existing. And then he says this. He, they fainted. They were just existing. They were scattered abroad. Brother Shay, I warned them last time you had walked out, but I went ahead and warned them. This word scattered abroad literally means to fling or to flick. If you're sitting down with Brother Shay at a fellowship meeting, don't flick your fingers if you got food on the end of your fingers. Amen. He does not like that. Oh, I can't see Brother Shagan. He won't get out out of sort. I'm just telling you, he doesn't look when it's just us and a few of us sitting around. He's liable to say, quit flicking your fingers. Okay, man, calm down. Have another chip. Come. This literally means Jesus said they're scattered abroad, which means this. It's as if you flicked or you just scattered. When you just scatter something, you don't have to go in one area and search for it. It literally means anywhere you go, you're going to find somebody that's just existing. And they don't know Jesus. And he goes on, he says this, they were scattered and they were sheep as having no shepherd, which means they had opened their up to every type of predator. 
I know that some will argue this. Again, I'm willing to sit down with you at any time. I'm confident in it. But do you know, when we talk about sheep without a shepherd, it literally means that they open themselves up to any and every type of predator. Do you know that all of us, I said us, I'll cut to the front of the line, every single one of us was born with a sin nature, and that sin nature has the potential to produce anything in our heart. That's why the power of the sin nature has to be broken when we are born again. But the moment that you are born, you're born with a sin nature. And that sin nature has the potential to produce anything. Uh, listen, sin nature has a it has produced adulterers. It's producing liars. It's a pr producing fornicators. It's producing murderers. It's producing pedophiles. Uh, it's producing homosexuals. Uh, it has got the potential to produce anything and everything. When Jesus said they are a sheep that has no shepherd. In other words, their heart's not guarded. The power of sin is not broken. It has the potential. Listen, there's more than just one sin. And if you think the devil is going to stop with one thing to bind your heart, you are wrong. Opened up to every predator. This shepherd... He sat, he sat on the edge of the pasture. He sat where he could see the sheep and he could see all the way around and he was watching. If the coyote started to come, he went and cut it off before it ever got to the sheep. If a bear started to come, he cut it off before it ever got to the sheep. If a lion started to come, he cut it off before it ever got to the sheep. I wonder how many things God has cut off from my life before it ever made it to me. How many things have I not give God praise for that He's already protected me from? Uh, let me tell you something. Uh, the Bible says, it's not my message, but the Bible says He is the good shepherd. Uh, he is the great shepherd. Uh, and He is the chief shepherd. Uh, He's made the way. Come back and led me to greener pastures when I was born again. Uh, and He's watching over my life. And He is protecting me from things that I don't even know about. Praise the Lord. That's good preaching. I wish that was my... No, I he says, they're scattered aboard. They're opened up to every predator. And this led Jesus to look at this situation and he says this, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. But understand, I'm not putting you under a law. I'm telling you, the reason he said this is because he was moved with compassion. And the only reason that we will have the desire to be a true laborer is if we back up as like last Sunday and ask God to help us to be moved with compassion. Because as a whole, the church is not being moved by compassion. I believe that just as trying to become a laborer, it's little to no help. We have got to back up and be filled, our hearts be filled with the love of God. Now, with this foundation, I want to build upon this just a little bit. I'm trying to find my notes. Build upon this just a little bit more. The message that last Sunday, the message today is not meant for any other reason except for us to examine ourselves in this area. Here is the question. Do, are you moved with compassion toward the lost? Are we moved with compassion toward the lost? Or uh, do we continue uh, to, to be filled with the love of God and, uh, toward, uh, and feel sympathy toward those that do not know Jesus? And I hope this morning that it's a challenge to all of us for God to do that work in our heart and in our life. I want you to know this morning, he announced membership all ago, and I say this humbly, but it's on my heart, it's in my spirit. I know this morning that I am a pastor. I'm a pastor of the greatest church in the world. 
Amen. And as a whole faith worship center, hang around and there's something you're going to learn about us. As a whole, faith, well, I've been in church all my life. Others will tell you the same thing. We are a church as a whole that is an extraordinary church because we are so minded. We're so minded. We're about souls. And I, I made my mind up a long time ago that I want to keep people pointed and their hearts set on reaching the lost. I need you here to get built up in the faith, and I need you going out to reach the law. I don't need you concerned. I don't mean this in a wrong way. We don't do a lot of business. Yes, we're trying. We're in the process of buying land, and we made that open to the church. Most business is taken care of in my office with these men and Brother Shea because I don't want you to, uh, to, to have that on your mind. I've seen a lot of church fights and a lot of church bickering. What's the point? If you ever lose sight that I'm coming to have my faith built up and I'm there to reach the lost, then we're wasting our time anyway. We've got to be about souls. Reach somebody. Reach somebody that you know. Everybody in here knows somebody that does not know Jesus. And we understand this morning. Here's something else about us that we have learned. We are not perfect individuals. Uh, They didn't choose me as pastor because I was perfect. I'm not perfect this morning. I've got things in my heart that still needs to be changed. Well, what are they? (laughs) That ain't none of your business. Between me and the Lord. God the Holy Spirit is working some things out. But we are recipients of God's grace, His love, His mercy. And as a whole, we just want to extend that to anybody and everybody. You know, as a church, we have a great promise of seeing a greater harvest than what we have ever known in this community. Look around, and, when, and, I don't, and I'm not saying this braggadocious. I'm saying this because I'm giving glory to God. Again, if you, if you think otherwise, then you don't know me. You know nothing about me. But I'm telling you, when a lot of churches closed up because of COVID, we continued. When COVID hit, I was walking through those double doors one day. I got through those double doors, and the Lord, uh, everybody, you got to shut down. You got to shut down. You got to do this. And it was a struggle for me to find the mind of the Lord and know exactly what to do. I'm not a person that, I, I don't, I have, I'm not perfect, but I don't have a lot of fear in regards to things like this. I really believe that everything that happens to the believer, if you are walking in the Spirit, it happens for a reason. It happens for a reason. I'm going to learn something. But I remember I was struggling. I'd had phone calls from the health department and everybody else, and I was walking through those double doors right there, and I hope I'm running a rabbit trail, and I apologize, but it's in my heart. And I was walking through those double doors, and they were were going to have to be shut down or needed to be, or we'd be the rebellious church in town, and that wasn't going to help anybody. And as soon as I walked through those double doors, the Lord stopped me and dropped something in my heart. I called Pastor Brian immediately, and I don't say that lightly when I say that he dropped something in my heart but all of a sudden I could hear the Lord speaking to my heart and saying knock that wall out and add some more chairs because when this thing comes back we're going to need the chairs and I I called Pastor Brian he said do it Uh, I called the men together the next day they said do it Uh, we started demolition we're good at demolition we started demolition put new carpet added more seats and look what the Lord is doing and continuing to do Uh, when majority of the church is setting down uh, or shutting down We're seeing people saved, delivered, and set free by the power of God. And all the glory goes to Jesus this morning. 
long time ago, the Lord put in my heart. I'm, I'm just shooting from the hip. He put in my heart. He said, I want that church, uh, and the church will be as a church that stands at the gate of hell, telling people they don't have to go there. To those that's been discouraged, uh, to those that's been hurt by church, uh, to those that the church has rejected. Uh, he said, I want you to be a voice crying in the wilderness that says, uh, you don't have to go here. Uh, I don't care what they've done. Uh, I don't care what they've said to hurt you. Uh, I don't know what reason that you're out. I'm not making light of your situation. But the truth of the matter is God's grace is still sufficient for you in your time of need. Praise the Lord. My Lord. And I can say from the heart as a whole from this church. I'll get right back to my message. I'm proud of you. I've been in churches in my life. I've seen them throw books at business meetings. I've seen them walk out and declare I'll never come back. Because somebody didn't, their vote didn't go their way. I've got a lot I want to say right there, and I'm going to pass it all by. But as a whole, we have stayed and we have built a church that is here for the lost. And I want you to know, and I look around, it's a church that I'm proud to be a part of. If it's not, if it wasn't, I'd go somewhere else. I would leave and go somewhere else. But I'm proud of Faith Worship Center. And I'm thankful for the compassion that you already have. But church, there's still much more souls to be reached. Now, let me move to my message. There's two, at least two main area or directions of the church today. There's one church that, has that is a compromised church where anything and everything is accepted. They're conforming to the world Baiting people with false advertisement of love. Listen. <laughs> when you tell people to go ahead and continue in your sin, we just love you, just go ahead, it don't matter, that's the way that God made you, just go ahead, that's not love. There ain't a single one of you parents that would let your child stick their hand in the fire and burn their hand off without first getting in their way and telling them, No. That's not right. You know why you would tell them no? You know why you would keep them from harm? Because you truly love them. And if the church uh, is just going to allow anything in there, let me just say it like this. Uh, and I've been convinced, well, you don't know what love is. Listen, just because I make the statement that sin is going to send you to a devil's hell and you will spend eternity separated without God, let me tell you something. That is love. That's love. The world doesn't know what love is. Don't have a clue. But there's a church that's compromised. They're, the church as a whole, they've admitted the blood. They don't want to talk about the cross. They don't want to mention sin. And they compromise the gospel so much. Let me just say, it's not even a gospel. Paul would say it's another gospel, another Jesus. Led by a life coach and not a pastor, not a preacher. This is one of the church. And the result is they got a large gathering. But it's all about man's idea and what the flesh wants, and it's not God's idea. Nobody getting saved, nobody getting changed, and nobody getting delivered. I don't know about y'all, but I've got some problems that I need some help with. And it's going to take more than just the gathering. It's going to take the Spirit of the Lord moving. So, there's another church. The legalistic church that's teaching you to live for God by what you do. And as a whole becomes so religious that the majority... Doesn't even feel welcome there. 
I want to be clear. I want to, I want to say this. Why go if the standards are so high that we feel like you're not even welcome? Why go if the standards are so high? Me and Brother West went and visited the church one time. One time, don't know about you, but it's the last time for me. Last. Young lady that sat in front of us, I felt so sorry for her. I felt sorry for her because of what was being said. I mean, straightforward, downright wrong. Well, you know, you can still say the truth. Yes, you can. But when you go to pointing people out, and they feel so unwelcome that they're ready to get up and leave. Let me tell you something. If we don't have them, we can't help them. If you don't have them, you can't help them. And so legalistic, and uh, 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 to be clear, we believe that if you, if you believe right, you're going to do right. There's some things that's going to change about us. But it's going to be little by little. And it should never be if the changes that you uh, are hoping to see in somebody's heart and their life, when you don't see them, it shouldn't be a reason for us to cast them away. I'm trying to be careful, not let my flesh get involved. But listen. We have to be dependent upon the change, a change in their heart, and that change begin to filter through the outside. Let me just say this. You can dress a certain way. You can do everything that a certain religion wants you to do and still be as lost as what we would call the greatest sinner in the world. You can look like them, act like them, walk like them, and talk like them, and still be lost. You can be faithful to the house of God, do all the right things, clap, sing, whatever, and still not be born again. Look, I've I got some horses at the house. You can take one of them horses, put a zebra suit on it, zip it up, where it doesn't even look like a quarter horse anymore, but the truth of the matter is, it's still a quarter horse. It's still a quarter horse. What we do on the outside ought to be, uh, uh, it ought to be proof of what's already happened on the inside. We try to change the outside. I got to move on. Listen. Man, I know this, that lost man is not going to be satisfied in the compromised church or the legalistic church. Well, how do you know if I give you everything you want? Because remember this, all of mankind is a product of a fallen creation. And I don't care if you go to a church that makes everybody in the world feel comfortable and there's compromise in the truth, or if you go to a legalistic church that has puffed you up in pride, the truth of the matter is we are still a product of fallen man, and there's only one thing that is going to fill that void. And the compromised church and the legalistic church can't do that. It's going to take the church that is preaching a, a proper relationship with Jesus Christ in order for man's heart to be at peace. Now, we move on. Compromise will wear off. The legalistic will become burdensome. But once they taste and see who Jesus really is, people long for love. People long for mercy. People long for forgiveness. And once they realize who Jesus is, they'll taste and they'll see that he is good. Look at our text. He spoke this parable unto certain, watch this. He's talking to people that trusted in themselves. 
that they were righteous and despised others. Now, I don't want to point no fingers, but I am going to point this finger. I've been there. I've trusted in myself, and I have despised, and literally means to look down on others that didn't believe or look or think like me, okay? Is that all right? I won't point you out, but I'll point me out. I've looked down. Why did I do that? Well, because that's the what, that's the, that was my mentality, that we were better, okay? We move on to the next one. So here he was talking to me. Verse number 10, two men went up in the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee and the other is a publican. The Pharisee is a Jew. The Pharisee is a Jew. He's a keeper of the law. Now I want you to think about publican. We all know publican as a tax collector, but he wasn't just a tax collector. The publican here and the reason the Pharisee hated him so much was he wasn't just a tax collector. He was hired by the Roman Empire. He was really a Jew. But he was hired by the Roman Empire to collect the, the, the taxes from the Jewish people. So he was the Pharisee looked at him like, he is one of my own, but he's a traitor. He's a traitor. So he's even more hate and more de de despising there. They both walked into the temple together. When they got into the temple there, the Pharisee went and stood. He stood. It was a type of being built up or exalted himself. He stood and he began to pray. This is his prayer. God, I thank you that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. And I'm sure he made it to where he could hear him or even as this publican. God, I thank you that I'm not like they are. I thank you that I'm not like this publican. Then he watched this. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And let me tell you something. The believer will fast when the Lord puts it upon his heart. The believer will give tithe because it is uh, given to us as an ordinance in the Word of God. But let me tell you something. If you're fasting or you're giving tithe in order to puff yourself up and to give yourself a pat on the back... I want to tell you, my salary comes from your tithe. If you're giving tithe so that you can let somebody see the record of your giving and what you're doing, I'm asking you this morning to keep it. Keep it. Because it's not doing the kingdom any good at all. The truth of the matter is we do these things because it is an ordinance of the Word of God. But any time we become as the Pharisee and say, Well, I fast twice in the week and I give tithe of all that I possess. And then he says, goes on, the publican standing afar off. Here's the other example. Would not lift up so much his eyes into heaven, but he smote upon his breast and God. Be merciful to me unto a sinner. Here's the Pharisee. Here's the publican. God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. God, be merciful unto me. I'm a sinner. That's all this prayer. Be merciful unto me. I'm a sinner. God, be merciful unto me. Pastor Brian, will you kneel down right there? I want you to see this. You got God. We didn't rehearse this. Let's like that. Be merciful, not real loud. Be merciful. Be me. merciful. Unto me, I'm a merciful sinner. Merciful unto me, I'm a sinner. And you got the publican right here. Go ahead. Be merciful unto me, I'm a sinner. I thank God that I'm not like this Be man. Merciful unto me, I'm a sinner. He is 
I fast twice in the week. Right. Be merciful unto me. I give tithe of all of my possessions. Be merciful unto me. I'm, I'm not an exhortioner. Be merciful unto me. I'm not like this publican. Be merciful unto me. I'm a sinner. Publican is sir, the Pharisee saying, look at me, look at me. Be merciful. The publican. Be merciful unto me. I'm a sinner. He's just saying, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. In other words, I'm a nobody. I'm helpless. I'm hopeless. See the picture? One standing. He's pointing fingers. Here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. This is what much of the world is seeing today in the church. They're seeing this. Pastor Brian, do it again, please. Just kneel down. They're seeing this. And they need to see this. They're seeing somebody standing and saying, look at me. Look at my suit. Watch how eloquent I can talk. Look how pretty I can sing. Look at me. Look at me. When that offering plate comes around, look around. Look here. Put money in that offering plate. We don't really give to the Lord. I could, the drunkard, the alcoholic that got saved, he gives to the Lord. When he got saved, i got to tell this. I'll be right back. He got saved, the offering comes around, he's opening his wallet up and emptying everything. The pastor said, you don't, you don't got to do that. Well, I did it at the bar. I give everything I had at the bar. Here's what the world is seeing, and here's what they need to see. Be merciful unto me. Thank you. I am a sinner. So here, when we look at this parallel, the publican standing afar off, smote on his breast, be merciful. And Jesus said, I want you to know this. This man went down to his house. He was justified. In other words, he walked into heaven's courtroom. He took his not guilty verdict right then because he admitted he was a sinner. He was justified. But rather than the other. For everybody that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Give me a few more minutes. Church, the majority of the world is seeing the public, or seeing the Pharisee, when what we really need to be doing is advertising and being real and being the publican. Now, as a result, the church as a whole has become ineffective. The compromised church here because... The compromised church is growing because they left the legalistic laws. But they won't last because it doesn't pattern the Bible. And the legalistic church has become an enemy to the true church. But listen, I believe that there are still people today that has not given up on the true church. There are still people today that has a longing in their heart to be in a relationship with Jesus. A longing in their heart for grace and for mercy and a longing to know how to live for God. I want to leave you with this. And I'm going to hush. But I want to leave you with this. I'm going to give you something that's been different this morning. I want to give you something to think about. When we look at our example of Jesus Christ, He never compromised the truth. But He loved people so much that in spite of their wretched life, they felt welcomed and comfortable around him. Wow. 
Now that's good. I know I said it, but that's good preaching. He never compromised the truth, but he loved the sinner so much. Now that's opposite of the church today. Because there's a lot of people in the world that does not feel comfortable around church people. I'm preaching good, Sister Janet. Now listen, think about this. He never compromised. In spite of a wretched life, they were drawn to him. You know, the sinner ought to be drawn to the child of God. Those that are broken ought to be drawn to the child of God. Those that are hurting ought to be drawn to the church of God. If the bar will embrace them, the church should embrace them. I'm preaching good. Think about what Jesus was met with. I want you to think about this. No matter their lifestyle, religion has made them to avoid us. But the love of God ought to make them, ought to compel them to us. Jesus met with, I want you to think about who Jesus met with. I promise you, I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to hush. Do you know that he took the worst and the lowliest in society? And he made them equal. He took the lowest ones that there was. And he brought them up to be equal with anybody else. And he sought them out. Think about this. This is who Jesus went to. He went to the woman at the well, the adulteress. He went and sat down with the woman at the well. She'd already been married five times. Now she was living with a man. She gave up on marriage. She's just living with a man. She couldn't even believe that Jesus, she said, how are you being a Jew even talk to me? Do you not know that I'm a Samaritan woman? This is who Jesus talked to. Can I ask you a question that I don't want you to answer? When is the last time that you knew somebody had an adulterous affair and you reached out and told them that you love them and that you're praying for them? I know from experience that a lot of times when somebody has an adulterous affair, well, we don't want to talk about that. We got to talk about it. Well, look, I live in the real world, in the real life, and people are dealing with these kinds of things. Do you know that a lot of times the next feeling or the next emotion is the feeling of wanting to take their own life because they feel so rotten? I don't know how many times I've been told they feel so bad they want to take their own life. How many times have we been guilty about sitting around at the dinner table and talking about them? But we've not picked up the phone and said, I love you and I just want you to know that I'm an ear and I'll be willing to pray for you anytime. I'm preaching good, Brother Matt. That's who he went to. Watch this. Do you know he went to the leper? You know the leper was an outcast? He wasn't even in the city. As soon as they found out he's a leper, get him out of here. Get him outside the city and don't let him back in. And Jesus said, well, okay, if that's where they're going to be, well, then that's where I'm going. He went right outside the city. He didn't have to sit with the high and mighty. He didn't have to sit with those that were popular. He didn't have to sit with somebody that had a name. He just went right out to the leper and said, hey, I came today to commune with you. Healed them. I'm an outcast. Unclean, unclean, unclean. Jesus kept coming to embrace them. 
When is the last time we knew somebody that was rode off by just about all of their family and we reached out to them and told them that we loved them? I said, we. I'm in this boat with you. Told you. Me and the Lord's been having a talk. I've done a lot of repenting in the last couple of weeks and I don't enjoy it. So I'm letting you in on it. Watch this. He went straight to the Samaritans. Do you know the Samaritan was considered a half-breed? They were a half-breed. They didn't look like them. They didn't act like them. They were a half-breed. They were polluted in their bloodline. And Jesus said, I'll go to the Samaritan. I found one. He's bleeding and he's dying. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pour in the oil and the wine and heal him and lift him up and love him. <laughs> Jesus gave the example of the prodigal son. One that left. See, we're not the prodigal son. We're the son that stayed. The prodigal son left, took his goods, went and wasted all he had. We're the son that stayed that said, hey, he's not even worthy to come back. He done wasted all his goods. Why are we accepting him back? That's what we're doing. Done me wrong. He betrayed me. He done this. Well, he made his bed. He can lie in it. I'm preaching good. And Jesus has said, yeah, but the father's not like that. He's the one sitting on the porch looking far out there and he's seen him coming and he couldn't even wait for him to get back. He got up off his porch. He went running to him. I can imagine while he's running, he's saying, kill the fatted calf. Go ahead, get a new robe. Let's place a ring on this finger. My boy has come back today. But we're like, hey, wait till he gets up here. Let me talk to him. Let me, let me, let me have this one. No, no, you're not coming back. You can... That's the majority of the church. Oh, man, I am preaching good. So, we got to be like the publican and not the Pharisee. Because here's the truth of the matter, and I'm Brother Jeff, would you come? My problem may be different than theirs. My mess up may be different than yours. My pollution in my heart may be different than the person that I sat next to. But the truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, without the mercy and grace of God, I'm helpless and I'm hopeless, just like every other individual that was ever born of a woman. I'm the same. I said this last week, and I want to say it again this week, because I had a couple of messages, and some said, well, some said they were grateful, so I was asked, you really believe that? <laughs> but I want to say this again, and I mean it with all of my heart, and I want to say it with this request, that if there's some doubt, I'm asking you to put me to the test. I don't care who you are and I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care about your record, felony, whatever it may be. I don't care. I don't care whose home you broke. I don't care what sin that you are wrapped up in right now. I don't care about your addiction. I don't care about your bondage. I don't care about your last name. I don't care about what clothes you have to wear, how much money that you have. I don't care if you don't smell good when you come in because you've got no way of smelling good. I don't care. 
I want you to know this morning that I don't want to be like the sole majority of the church. I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to be legalistic. I'm not going to shut the door. I'm not going to pick and choose who can come and who cannot come. I just want you to come and give us a try. I want to extend grace. I want to extend mercy. I want to extend the love of God. And I want to prove to you in the Word of God, anybody and everybody can be free from anything and everything. You do not have to die and go to a devil's hell. There is eternal life for you to have. Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. And that sacrifice was just as much for you as it was for me. And I have no right to be a church police and to say who comes and who don't come. I'm not going to compromise. I'm going to preach mercy. I'm going to preach grace. I'm going to ask God to work in your life. But I'm going to love you in the process. And this morning, Faith Worship Center has to be the same way. We have to be moved with compassion. And be the example of the publican and not the Pharisee. Humble ourselves and reach out to the lost. Would you stand with me this morning? Can I do something? Can I ask these girls to come back one more time? If it was not for the blood of Jesus... Come on quickly. If it was not for the blood of Jesus Christ, salvation would be available to nobody this morning. But because of the blood that was shed for us on the cross of Calvary, anybody and everybody can be saved this morning. Would you all begin to sing that? Can you bring the words up? I want you to look at the words just a moment. We're talking about salvation. It was available to everybody. Come on, sing it. Do you remember this morning? Running out of time. Come on, sing it. Too wide. Side of. You held me. Hallelujah. Think about this. He's made a way this morning. Behind. Inside. Come on, think about it. He paid your debt this morning. Hallelujah. Sing it. Thank you. Jesus. For the blood. For the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, sing it with them as a prayer this morning. You, Jesus. You have saved my life. Think about this this morning. Come on, worship just a moment. 
He took my place. Come on, Kirstie, sing it. Three days. Then you walked right out. Hallelujah. Come on, girls. Has no sting. Life has no I've been transformed. I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Come on, thank you, Jesus. You, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Lord, for the blood this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus, have washed me wide. Thank you, Jesus. You brought me one more time. One more time. Think about it this morning. Come on, sing it. You took my place. God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. Have mercy on me. And then you walked right, right out, out again. again. Hallelujah. And now death Come on, girl, sing it. has no sting. And life has no end. My Lord. Hallelujah. For I have been, been transformed. transformed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Apply. Thank you, Jesus. Has washed me. Thank you, Jesus. You have saved me from the darkness. Here's my altar call this morning. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. I don't know where you stand in regards to relationship with God. I'm just going to mix you right in this morning because I can't overlook. Maybe this morning I said something about having compassion to the lost. When the Holy Spirit began to examine your heart and there was an area that we fell short in. I've not done that. I've been more of the one that would gossip than the one that would reach out. Maybe that's you this morning. Or maybe you're not sure where you're at with the Lord. It's a great time to pray. We got some beautiful altars here. We're going to let them continue to sing. But if there's something the Lord has put on your heart, an area that you need to say, God, help me with, then I invite you to come. And let's ask God to help us and to change that in our heart and in our life. And we're going to pray with you. We're going to gather around you. But the altars are now open. Hannah, lead it wherever you need to go. I trust you. Go ahead. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family.